Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Crossgate Church in Hot Springs, Arkansas. We invite you to visit us at crossgate.org. It is our hope that you will hear from God and draw closer to Him through this service. Well, thank you so much, Nancy and uh, prayer partners, for laying hands on me. I am desperate for the filling of the Holy Spirit this morning, friends, as I bring you a word uh, from God. 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all your anxiety upon Him, for He cares for you. Uh, Those words that were written over 2,000 years ago, tremendous for every generation, but especially true and needful for the next generation. Uh, Did you know, last year, there was a study done of 8,000 teenagers aged 13 to 19, and one of the questions they were asked was about uh, their, their current state of mind. And 44% of those teenagers, those 8,000 teenagers, said this, that I experience persistent feelings of sadness and hopelessness. 44%. 2009, a similar study showed that only 26% of students felt persistent feelings of sadness and hopelessness. Uh, th- that was in general. Among, among the, the young ladies in that demographic, those numbers were more like 54% as of last year. And by the way, it wasn't simply because of COVID-19, because in 2019, 40% of the demographic said, I, I experienced persistent feelings of sadness and hopelessness. Suicide rates are climbing among teenagers, as, as many of us know. Uh, Between 2010 and 2019, the suicide rate among teenagers climbed 56%. Um, Interestingly and alarmingly, in that same time period, girls aged 10 to 14, the suicide suicide rate rose 138%. We're talking about the next generation, reaching the next generation. And of course, we've hit several topics over the course of this teaching series so far. We talked about multi-generational disciple-making. We talked about equipping and training the next generation to discern between the voices of the world and the verses found in the Scripture, the Word of God. We've talked about uh, making better and more disciples using technology and and the good, the bad, and the ugly in terms of technology in the next generation. But today, we're going to talk about something that is so obvious to those who who have a finger on the pulse of the next generation, as as some of these data points would bear out. And we're going to talk about anxiety and depression among the next generation. Why is this the case? What does it look like? What are some of the causes? And what's the hope that God gives? Okay, we're going to go to, and I hate to be a downer at church, all right? I hate to be a downer at church, but we're going to go to the most depressing book in the entire Bible this morning. The book of Lamentations in the Old Testament. Uh, You might need your table of contents to find that one. But if you can find Jeremiah, just turn right, and it's one book to the right of Jeremiah. The book of Lamentations is the most depressing book in the entire Old Testament. It was written in a time when God's people had been exiled and deported from from Israel and Jerusalem to Babylon. It was the worst-case scenario for God's people. Meanwhile, Jerusalem... The city of God was in smoking ruins and shambles after the Babylonian army had steamrolled through the city. The people were in darkness. The people were in despair. But what we're going to find out this morning 
is that even in the midst of the most depressing book in the Bible, some of the most powerful words of hope occur right in the middle of the book. We're going to be in Lamentations chapter 3. Lamentations chapter 3. And we're going to first talk this morning simply about next-gen lamentation. All right, next-gen lamentation. I'm going to begin reading in Lamentations chapter 3, verse 17. Here you go. Heavy words. My soul is bereft of peace. I have forgotten what happiness is. Well, those words will resonate with a lot of people. I have forgotten what happiness is. You may hear today say, that's me. I remember my affliction and my wanderings, the wormwood and the gall, talking about how bitter life has become. My soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. Now, I'm not trying to say that every member of the next generation, also known as Gen Z, basically those are people born after 1995, roughly to about 2010, I'm not trying to say that every member of Gen Z is, is facing a persistent anxiety and depression, okay? But a lot are, more than we would realize in many cases. And, and of course, there's plenty of other people outside of the next generation that these words would apply to, right? Some of you in your, your 30s, your 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, some of you also would say, yes, that's me. I have forgotten what happiness is. But let's talk about the next generation this morning. Let's ask ourselves this question, why? why? Why is this generation so often characterized by anxiety and depression? Well, there's, there's many different reasons. And, and, and it's not like any one of the reasons in and of themselves would, would tip the scales. But when they start to stack up and pile up in the life of a young man or young woman, that's when the anxiety and depression comes in. Now, we talked last week about technology, and we, we gave you a very comprehensive message, but one of the things we talked about was emotional chaos, and some of the emotional uh, fallout that happens through a massive immersion in technology. So let's talk for just a moment about, about the emotional aspects of being drowning in technology. I'm going to give you six quick things, okay, six quick things dealing with technology in the lives of the next generation. First of all, early immersion early immersion. This will blow you away. In most places in the United States now, 50 to 60% of 11-year-olds have their own phone or tablet. Not mom or dad's that they borrow, their own phone and tablet. Early immersion. By the way, by, by the ages of 8 or 9, that's 50% of all 8 or 9-year-olds have their own device. Not only do, do scientists and pretty much everyone agree that, that excessive screen time in the life of a young child somehow uh, slows cognitive development and brain development. But I think we've all seen this, certainly those of us who have kids, young children. Right? Excessive screen time leads to uh, rebellion, leads to disrespect to parents, leads to wrong and, and, uh, and, and toxic attitudes among young children. Er, I'm talking about early immersion now. Early immersion, because let's face it, Gen Z is really the first generation that has never known life without a screen of some kind, right? Early immersion. Here, here's another one, okay? Location awareness. All right, let's talk about location awareness for a moment. Of course, so many apps now, 
social media apps, certainly Live360s and others, allow you to track the locations of other people, right? And, and certainly parents oftentimes track the location of the, find my phone, find my iPhone, whatever. Where, where's so-and-so at right now, right? Parents understand that, that that's a part of life in many ways, but even peer-to-peer now, location awareness creates tension, right? Because now you know where all your friends are at, and you feel this need to constantly check where they at, where they at, where they at. I'm constantly checking on the, on the location of my friends, and uh-oh, they're all over at so-and-so's house, but I didn't get invited. Ooh, adding more to the mix. Location awareness. Here's the third thing. Physical perfection. Okay, so if, if a picture is worth a thousand words, then that picture that goes on social media better be a perfect picture, right? I'm not saying that. That's, that's my standard. I'm saying that's, that's kind of the culture and the world's expectations now. It's got to be a perfect picture. And if I don't look the way I want to look, guess what? There's an app for that. There's many apps for that. Take a picture of yourself, go to the app, go to the filters. Facetune is, is an incredibly popular app where you can fix yourself up and make yourself look a lot better than God made you look, all right? I think it was Khloe Kardashian. She, she even did a Facetune on her newborn infant. It's like, my newborn baby doesn't look good enough. I've got to do a, a Facetune uh, app you know, transformation on my newborn baby before I post any pictures. That, that, that's where we're at, right? And, and, of course, there's apps now that not only do your face, but they'll do your whole body. You want to look 15 pounds lighter? No problem. There's an app for that. Physical perfection. The problem is that now there's an obsession about how I look and how I'm presenting myself to the world. I'm talking about a next-gen stressor. And what if the other person, in spite of all that I've done, still looks more perfect than I do. Physical perfection. Here's another one. Cyber aggression. Cyber aggression. We talked about this briefly last week. You think gossip was bad when you were in school, parents, grandparents? Now it's gone digital and viral. Cyber bullying, ostracizing people. And by the way, you talk about ostracizing a kid who doesn't have a phone? If you're 12 years old now and you don't have a phone, you're, I mean, you've already got one or two strikes against you among your peers. He doesn't have a phone. She, she doesn't have a phone? Man, you, your parents must be cavemen. You don't have a phone when you're 12 years old. Cyber aggression. Textortion. Listen, this is a whole new world now. Brave new world. Students take inappropriate pictures of themselves and text them to other people. Guess what? You don't know who you're texting that to in many cases. One case in North Carolina, this happened just last year. A 17-year-old high school senior texted some naked pictures of himself to, to a person he thought was a college-age lady. Turned out it was a scammer. And the scammer immediately texted him back and said, hey, I got your pictures. If you don't start paying me a lot of money, I'm going to plaster these all over the Internet. You know what that young man did? He killed himself. Textortion. Cyber aggression. Here's another one, number five, bad news mania. You know, the more time you spend in front of a screen, the more bad news you're going to get in life. Isn't that right? All the stuff's going on. Just yesterday, God help us, just yesterday, eight more people killed down in Texas. 
And, and, and when you're bombarded with, with bad news and more bad news and more bad news, whether it's on a national level, a local level, peer-to-peer, it doesn't matter. It adds up. And if, and if, and if you don't have that developed apparatus in your heart and mind to, to discern and, and even look beyond the headlines and, and the clickbait and all the rest, it's an easy way to get filled with anxiety and depression today. And then lastly, here's one other, probably the most insidious of them all, extension of person. Now, I can remember years that the majority of my life, I didn't have one of these. Man, I can remember back when the phone was like nailed to the wall in your house, and that was it. I mean, when we got a cordless phone in my house, I thought we had gone Buck Rogers, the Jetsons, and Star Wars all at the same time, right? I mean, you could walk around. But listen, when this is all you know, and your entire life has been, has been a part of the, the age we live in when this is a reality, it, it becomes an extension of who you are. And that's not necessarily a good thing. Look at this quote from The Guardian. Michael Lynch said this, We've begun to see our smartphones as extensions of ourselves. And I am more convinced that what psychologists call the state of knowing something is often extended to our digital devices. We've outsourced that to our phones. And that is why we often feel less than 100% complete when we don't have access to our devices. They have become a part of us. You think you can go more than two hours without your device within arm's reach, except for when you're sleeping? It might be harder than you think. And that device has become a bigger part of you, certainly a bigger part of the next generation, than maybe we would like to believe or acknowledge now remember i'm not saying that any one of these things is is a torpedo into the hull of the ship but i will tell you as these things begin to stack up i can see how 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 the digital world in which we live strongly contributes to anxiety and depression in the next generation but there's more than just the digital aspect and drowning in technology how about this Decreasing physical and emotional well-being. There's so much we could say here. I'll just hit on a couple things. So, Mercy Room doctor I was talking to not long ago, he said the two things that I'm seeing more and more as, as, as children are brought into the emergency room for different things is an increasing level of childhood obesity and, and mental health issues. Mental health issues. Um, among, among children. This is an interesting metric, kind of obscure, but it's telling of our culture. Uh, the, the, the military recruiters tell us now that upwards of 70 to 75% of Gen Z couldn't enlist in the military even if they wanted to. One, because of, of basic inability to meet the physical requirements or past drug use or mental, mental health issues. And, and there needs to be a lot of waivers granted in order to even recruit the number of people they're recruiting now. That, that, that is a telling, telling metric. But beyond that, what about just the, the, the race to get better sleep among Gen Z? Listen to this from Psychology Today, from Dahlia Sills. If sleep had a credit score, Gen Z's rating would be poor. Simply put, Gen Z has been accruing astronomical amounts of sleep debt for years. Not necessarily limited to Gen Z, I got that. But let's just think about what she says here. Sleep debt, otherwise known as sleep loss, occurs when an individual fails to attain the recommended number of hours of sleep for his or her age. Overexposure to blue light screens and devices, and I would add especially at nighttime, 
because what those devices basically do is they trick your body into believing that it's noon because you've got all this light pouring into your eyes and your body says, oh, it's noon. It's not time to go to bed, right? Overexposure to blue light screens and devices, overscheduled and overcommitted calendars, and comparison culture along with academic pressure to be the perfect teen all contribute to Gen Z sleep deprivation. We all know sleep is one of the best medicines that God has ever given us. Proverbs chapter 3 says, those who trust in the Lord will have sweet sleep. Psalm 128 says, God gives his beloved sleep. It's a valuable thing. And yet in many cases, our students are not getting anywhere near the amount of sleep. No wonder there's anxiety. No wonder there's depression. And, and all of these other things as well. And then here's one other social metric, which you might feel, again, is very obscure, but it adds to this overall narrative, and that is this, the decreasing rate in which teenagers are getting driver's licenses. So when my oldest daughter turned 16, I said, I guess now it's time to go down and get your driver's license. And she said, eh. I said, what? I said, man, I can remember. the. Listen, when I was 15 years old, I was counting down the months and then the weeks and then the days and then the hours. Man, I mean, on my 16th birthday, as soon as school went out, Room! I was down at the driver's license office. I couldn't wait to get my driver's license. Check this out. Among today's 16-year-olds across the country, only about 30% actually have a driver's license. And 17-year-olds, only about 40 to 45% of 17-year-olds have a driver's license. Now, I'm, I mean, I'm not trying to say that that's morally good, bad. That's not the point. The point is there is a massive disruption in the socialization of the next generation. I'm not saying that they're not being socialized, but, but things have changed. And, and, and in many cases, there's digital socialization that has, that has taken the place of in-person, face-to-face, conversational. You're talking to somebody else physically in person. There's a difference there. Am I saying that's the, the, the be-all, end-all? No. But what I'm simply saying is there's a difference there. There's a difference there. And no one of these things that I have mentioned, again, is, is the death knell of, of, a, of a mentally healthy young person. But I will tell you, again, when they all start adding up, stacking up one after the other on top of each other, you begin to see what we see in Lamentations, and I'm going to put that scripture back up on the screen. Let these words linger in your heart. My soul is bereft of peace. I have forgotten what happiness is. I remember my affliction and my wanderings, the wormwood and the gall. My soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. Those are the words. Let's just for a minute or two get a personification of those words as well as the ray of hope that resides in the midst of of the darkness. Direct your attention to the screens just for a moment. The wisest man who ever lived once said that everything has its season. Yes, time to be born and a time to die. A time to fight. A time to heal. But what about everything else? Everything in between. Seasons like this. Seasons so utterly forgettable. We forget there are even seasons at all. Until one day, things change. 
we're reminded with stark clarity how closely the darkness is always at hand. Where is God in my anxiety? Where is God in my depression? And where is God amidst all my fears that he feels so distant? And we so often do question, how? How could it possibly get any worse? answer we want, the answer we fear, that we are alone, the pain we feel, it has no cure, there is no end, our restlessness is as hopelessly futile as, as our cries for mercy or even relief, and wave after wave after a wave keeps crashing down on us, revealing every crack, exposing every weakness. And as much as we might cling to the hope of a savior, we sink to our knees and we throw our hands in despair and we cry out everything we have left. Let it end. Let it end, God. Please, let it end. And then, a still, small voice replies, It is finished. Yes, my child, it was and is and will be finished because the light shines through the darkness and the darkness hasn't overcome it because he is with you and he is for you and he will not forsake you no matter what seasons come no matter what time it is under heaven his love is here for you it always was it forever will be he walks with you through the darkness through the unending rain because you are his and that is something that no season can ever take from you Obviously a picture of a young man in a state of duress, anxiety, a dark place. And yet, there's a word in the midst of all of that, and that word is hope. Next-gen hope. Let's talk about it. Because now we're going to flip the, the thing over and see the, the other side of, of Lamentations chapter 3. That the, the negative circumstances, the stress... The pressure, the anxiety, the depression doesn't get the last word in God's economy. Amen? It does not get the last word. Let's listen to the word of God. Lamentations 3, 21 through 27. This is after he says, I have forgotten what happiness is. He says, I call this to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, 
To the soul who seeks him, it is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man that he bear the yoke in his youth. So I got to admit something about this series. It's felt a little awkward to me. Okay, a little awkward. It's been a great series. We still got a few more weeks, but it's felt a little awkward, and here's why. Because for the most part in this series, we've been talking to parents and grandparents and disciple makers who, who, who are meant to pour into the next generation. And so I've been describing things about the next generation and talking about investing in the next generation and so forth, always, almost always mentioning the next generation in the third person. But they're in the room. You ever had a conversation about somebody, but they're sitting right in the room? Right. So, so here, here's what I want to do. I just want to talk to the next generation, all right? Especially in this service, it's a great opportunity. I just want to share a couple things with you from this scripture, and I pray that parents and grandparents would take this as well. All who are here would see that it applies to them. But let me just, let me just talk to y'all. Let me talk to y'all for a minute. Share a couple of very simple things from this passage we just read. First of which is simply this, God loves you. God loves you. That may sound overly simplified, or man, you've heard it a thousand times before, but I would tell you, God desperately loves you. The word for love, translated love in this passage, is the Hebrew word chesed. This kind of sounds a little guttural, chesed. And, and that is the Hebrew word for, for God's covenantal, unshakable, unbreakable love that he has for you. As a 14, 15, 16, 17, 18-year-old young person, young lady, young man. God desperately loves you. And we see that love ultimately culminated in the Lord Jesus Christ. Think of these scriptures. John 3, 16. God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. God demonstrates his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I will tell you this, student, if, if you have ever doubted if God truly loves you, just look to the cross. Look to the cross and recognize what it represents, God's, God's ultimate divine act of love for you. And by the way, here's one of the great things about God's love, it's new every morning. Isn't that what... He said in, in Lamentations chapter 3, it's new every morning. They celebrated this over and over again back in those days. Look at these scriptures. Psalm 90 verse 14, Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Here's another one. Psalm 30 verse 5, Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. I personally hit a low spot yesterday. All right? I mean, I'm not saying that my entire life was falling apart around me, but I, would, I will tell you emotionally, I had a low spot yesterday. But when I woke up this morning, God had refreshed my soul, filled me with the Holy Spirit, got me ready to come to church. That's because His mercies are new every single morning. Students, here's, here's an important thing we need to remember, because not enough people are telling the next generation, God loves you. Josh McDowell, one of the great experts on student ministry one huge reason gen z is so lonely and depressed they don't know how much god loves them god loves you god loves you here's something else secondly god is all you need god is all you need look back in verse 24 of lamentations chapter 3 it says the lord is my portion 
That word portion literally means part of an inheritance, right? If, if I had three brothers and sisters and, and, and the inheritance came to us, my portion would be one quarter of, of, of that inheritance. But it's not so much about financial or, or monetary value. The portion is saying that God is my portion. That's what gives me security. That's what gives me joy. That's what gives me hope. God is my portion. Again, a theme throughout the scripture. Look at this. Look at these scriptures. Psalm 16, you, O Lord, are my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in beautiful places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. Another one from the Psalms, Psalm 73, one of my favorite passages in the whole Bible. Whom have I in heaven but you? And on earth there is nothing I desire besides you. My heart and my flesh may fail. Some of you are there today. My heart and my flesh may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. And one other's from the Psalms, Psalm 142. I cry to you, O Lord. I say, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Attend to my cry, for I am brought very low. God is all you need. And if, if, you realize, if you don't realize that God is all you need, then guess what? Nothing will be enough for you. Nothing will be enough. You'll always be reaching, always be searching, always be grasping. But let's put this in contemporary terms, okay, real quick. Let's say you posted a picture on social media, and that picture kind of represented the, the totality of your life on display for the whole world to see, certainly all the people that are connected with you on social media, right? And then after about a week, you went to check it, and you say, man, I'm sure this thing's blown up. Boy, I got all kinds of likes and all this, man, I got all this traffic. And there's only one like under that picture. Just one. Out of all of the people, only one like. Would that be enough for you? What if that one like was from, from God? I kind of did this yesterday. Just created this. Um, that's, uh, that's back when I was adorable and cute, according to my mother, anyway. But let's just say this was, this is just a little fake thing I put together, but let's say this was, this was the post, and th this represented who I am. And look at that, I only got one like. But it's God. Only one like. Here's my question again. Is it enough for you to know that God loves you? That God is your portion? Is it enough? Because if that is not enough, nothing will ever be enough. Nothing, no amount of money, no amount of, 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 of good looks, charm or personality, no amount of friends, no amount of, of anything will be enough unless you realize that God is truly all you need. Let me give you scripture. I, I, this, I did not look this up in connection with this message. God actually gave me this scripture earlier this week uh, just because he knew that I would need it in, in some things going on in my life. Look at this. He has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you so that we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? He said, Jesus has said he'll never leave me, forsake me. That's all I need. That's all I need. Next, I want you to think about this. God gives radiance when you seek Him. God gives radiance when you seek Him. I want you to think about this. 
We talk about the love of God and the provision, and he's, he's all we need. But how, how do we get there, Pastor? How, how do we get there? You get there by seeking God. Look, look in verses 25 and 26. The word seek shows up two times. Two times. The word seek shows up seeking God, seeking him pressing in for more of who God is, not because of what he's going to do for you, but because of who he is. Listen to Psalm 63.1, again, one of my favorites. God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul longs for you. My body thirsts for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Seeking God. Here's something about seeking God. Seeking God... It's all about being in his presence. It's not ultimately about doing for God, but rather it's all about being with God. And here's something I've learned about the presence of God. The presence of God is timeless. It's one of the big takeaways we brought back from going to the Asbury Revival in February. You know, again, I think my wife and I were in Hughes Auditorium for, for over five hours worshiping in the presence of God in a very unique way. And when we left, it had literally felt like 15 minutes. The presence of God is timeless. But now I want you to think about this. Okay? Flip that over for a second. Scrolling on our devices can also be timeless as well, right? How many of y'all have been there where you've just been scrolling through and what you thought was 30 minutes, you look up and it's been two hours? It's timeless. You don't even realize. You, you're, you, you, you lose a sense of time. You lose a sense of time. I will tell you, technology in and of itself is not bad or good. It's the content. But technology, listen to me, technology can easily become a counterfeit for the presence of God. Did you know that? See, I'm not nearly as concerned about all of the bad and evil content out there on social media and everything else as I am concerned that, that, that devices and technology are distracting us from the goodness and the mercy of an uninterrupted, unhindered time with God. But on the flip side, when we press in for more of God, when we look to God, when we spend time in God's presence, there is a radiance that comes. Listen to the Bible, friends. Listen to the Scripture. Those who look to Him are radiant, and their faces shall never be ashamed. Here's another Isaiah chapter 60, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. You shall see and be radiant, and your heart shall thrill and exult. And one other, Jeremiah 31, The Lord has ransomed Jacob and has redeemed him from hands too strong for him. Students, are you, are, are you feeling the oppressive weight of hands too strong for you? Because of stressors and pressures in your life, they shall come and sing aloud in the height of Zion, and they shall be radiant over the goodness of the Lord. I so desperately want, students, I'll tell you, I, I so desperately want you to understand how good God is in this season of your life. Jesus came into my life when I was 17 years old. I experienced the goodness of God. There was a radiance I experienced that at a fairly young age. I've never forgotten that. Never forgotten it. And by the way, the reason why I say that, look, look at the last thing I would share with you. God wants to demonstrate his goodness to you when you are young. Look at verse 27. It is a good thing for a young man or young woman to understand all of this. 
I don't want you to have to wait till you're 30 years old or 40 years old and, and praise God that God does step in in his amazing grace into the lives of people in middle age and, and old age and senior adults, but how much better to understand all of this when you're young, when, when you're 16, 17, 18 years old, experience and taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. A lot of, lot of burdens in our world today, not limited to the next generation, although certainly there's a lot of it there, but I want you to walk away today, friends, knowing that God is good. He is for you. Jesus died for you. If you've ever doubted if God loves you, just look to the cross. Look to the cross and recognize how good God is and recognize that anxiety and depression is not God's best for you. But the radiance, the goodness of God on your face, no, no app, no filter, no face tune, none of that can deliver the radiance of God on your face, but even more so in your heart. We invite you to join us in person at our campus located at 3100 East Grand Avenue in Hot Springs, Arkansas. If we can pray for you, send us an email at prayer at crossgate.org. Thanks again for listening to our audio podcast.